0: podcast, What Occupies Your Time. Join Integrative OT to learn about what occupational therapy is, how it can help in just about any area of your life, and why it only takes a few tweaks to your habits, routines, and roles for you to become empowered. How you live your life is important. Let's discover healthy ways of being and doing together. Let's live a meaningful life on purpose. Hey guys, welcome to episode 22. I cannot believe we are almost at the end of the year. That blows my mind. The podcast has been going for 11 months. That is so exciting to me. So today I wanted to speak on the role of pet owner Or if you are a therapist, the Occupation of Animal Assisted Therapy. It's something I am a huge fan of and have used many times informally and formally uh, with my own children in treatment sessions, nature-based work with my pets, a golden retriever named Rio, my cat, Dobby and then a whole variety of farm animals like chickens, goats, and donkeys. Um, I actually chose to cover this topic this week because my husband and I are thinking of getting a new puppy for the family for Christmas, you know, to join our ever-growing tiny little farm with chickens, dogs, cats, and hopefully a goat here soon. Uh, my husband has not loving that idea, but one day he's going to come home from work and there's going to be a goat in the backyard. So, um, let's, let's look at this. So in looking at the research, there are many, many, many benefits listed for having a pet. I went to the NIH and found an article, um, that I will link in the notes, but it had some really cool information. It said that the unconditional love of a pet actually helps decrease stress, improve your heart health, help children with their emotional and social skills. It also improves mood. And it was estimated that like almost 70% of everyone living in the U.S. has a pet. And that made my heart so happy because pets are just the absolute best and animals are wonderful. Uh, Dr. Layla Esposito, I'm not sure if I said that correct. She's actually works at the NIH and she had a really cool quote She said, is your goal to increase physical activity, then you might benefit from owning a dog. You have to walk a dog several times a day and you're going to increase physical activity. If your goal is to reduce stress, sometimes watching fish swim can result in a feeling of calmness. So there's no one type fits all, which I definitely agree with. I obviously, if you have allergies or if your child has allergies, um, you wouldn't want to get something that they're allergic to. But I will tell you that watching, going to an aquarium, or even just watching fish on, um, we have Amazon Prime on our TV, and they have these, like, screensaver, I guess. Um, Maybe it's a show. I don't even remember now. But where it has like one has a crackling fire. And you know, my obsession with nature. So that's wonderful. There's also some with running water, which I love. And then there's some with fish. And I could sit there and watch that all day. It is so calming. Um, There was another NIH researcher who was also a doctor at a hospital in Maryland, Dr. Ann Berger. And she spoke of uh, dogs in therapy, like therapy dogs specifically. She said, dogs are very present. If someone is struggling with something, they know how to sit there and be loving. Their attention is focused on the person all the time. She actually works with terminal ill, terminally ill patients and teaches them mindfulness, which I thought was really neat to decrease stress and pain. She, um, went on to say that the foundations of mindfulness include attention, intention, compassion and awareness, all of those things are things that animals bring to the table naturally. People have to learn it, but animals do this innately, which of course I agree with and with my love for mindfulness and intention. um, That one, I really enjoyed hearing that quote from, from a physician and a researcher. So I don't know how many of y'all know this, but my master's in OT, that research was on animal-assisted therapy. We worked with a local group here in Birmingham named Hand and Paul um with the pediatric population that it was a very small subset it was a group of kids that was here for like an intensive kind of it was just they were just here for about a month long but it was for constraint induced therapy so constraint induced therapy is a well-studied usually highly effective program where a person in my case a child's working extremity so whether that be their what what you would tell a child would be their good leg um or arm is immobilized in some way. So I've seen this done with casting. I've seen it done with just wearing a sling or even like kind of taped to your arm like a like velcro, you know, to your body. Um, or even more simply with just verbal cueing to try and use the affected extremity. I don't like to call them your good arm or your bad arm because I don't think the arm that's having trouble working is a bad arm. So I like to say affected and, and unaffected, non-affected Um, that's typically the the therapy term for it, but it forces the use of your affected limb. So, like I said, I've used this a bunch of times. Um, I've worked with people who have had stroke, um, brain injury, the children that I see, a lot of them have had like a brachial plexus injury and I have seen wonderful results. It's based on a theory actually by Dr. Taub, which is, he's, he was at UAB, um, he developed, the the theory of learned non-use, and I'll put a link for a really informative YouTube video regarding it um, if you're interested in looking at it further, but that was the group of kids that we were working with, so kids that were here um, for an intensive therapy session specifically with constraint-induced therapy. So we would bring the animals in, and the results that we saw from this study, though, was just awesome. It was, it was that animal assisted therapy was beneficial. And as you can imagine from having a kid or having a pet or having kids and pets, or even if you don't have either just watching other children interact with animals, animals really do motivate movement from our bodies, usually our hands to engage with them. Um, I really enjoyed this study. If I can find where it was published back in 20, when was that? 2012. Um, that I'll link that in the notes as well, but I will link the organization hand in paw in case you are local and looking for places that do um, animal assisted therapy because they're just fantastic. They offer a training program too if you're a therapist wanting to train your pet. So another study that I found was with dogs and kids with ADHD. So dogs apparently in this study were found to help children focus their attention. So there was two groups of kids with both diagnosed with ADHD. One was in a 12, I'm sorry, both were in a 12 week therapy session. One was kids reading to a therapy dog, which I have seen in the classrooms, and it's just the most precious thing, once a week for 30 minutes. And then the second group read to a puppet that looked like a dog. So the results showed that kids that read to the real animal showed better social skills, more sharing, being more cooperative with their teacher and their classmates, as well as volunteering, like taking that initiative and agency there. They also showed fewer behavioral problems that a lot of the times can show with kids with ADHD, uh, like like decreased attention and and focus and that kind of stuff. There was another study um, with kids who had autism. And they got to play in a classroom with guinea pigs. So they were, it showed that they were actually calmer when the children spent 10 minutes in a supervised group, like with playtime, their anxiety levels actually dropped. So they had better social interactions. They were more engaged with their peers. Um, it was really sweet the way the study like, quoted it in there. It said, the researchers suggest that the animals offered unconditional acceptance, making them a calm comfort to the children and Is't that so true don't you don't you feel like your animals just totally unconditionally love you and accept you no matter what kind of a day you're having, what you look like? I just obviously I love animals <laughs> um A recent study, I I mentioned fish earlier for those who have like allergies to cats and dogs and stuff. There was a recent study showing that caring for fish actually helped teenagers with diabetes better manage their disease, which I read that headline and I was shocked. I was like, what in the world? But the researchers had a group of teenagers with type 1 diabetes and they had them care for a pet fish twice a day. so they they fed it, they checked the water levels, they changed the tank each week to give new water. and this so they these kids were also um, told to check their blood glucose, blood sugar levels. So researchers showed that consistently. They checked how consistently they were with checking their glucose. Compared with the teenagers who didn't take care of a fish, the fish keeping teenagers were more disciplined about checking their blood glucose levels, which I thought was really, really neat. Um, I'll touch on that again in a second with that responsibility and um, caretaking role. So there's another study that um, showed that early exposure to pets may help protect young children against um, developing asthma and allergies. And I'm not actually sure. There's been a couple of studies about that. So I'm not sure how old, you know, the oldest study is on that or how recent the most recent study is on that. But I will say that my son is eight years old. And I remember my pediatrician telling me that when he was little, asking, I mean, when he was a baby, if we had any pets in the house. And at that, at that time we had two dogs and a cat. And she said this to me. So apparently it's been around in the research for a while. And I do know that most of the kids we interact with have pets. And I mean, that's a good handful, like that's a decent sample size of the kids that we know and hang around with and I really don't know but probably I don't maybe maybe 3 to 5 kids that have you know really really intense allergies so there's got to be some truth to that another occupation that I've engaged in concerning animal assisted therapy is therapeutic riding programs with horses so this is called hippotherapy or equine-assisted therapy, if you've ever heard it talked about in that way. I worked in Montgomery when I was living at home with Montgomery area non-traditional equestrians, or Maine, M-A-N-E, um, Storybook Farms when I was in the Auburn-Opalaika area for undergrad, and then the Red Barn up here in Birmingham since I've been at OT. I actually hosted a nature camp at the Red Barn last year, which was so fun. Uh, we got to see their goats and It was just a really cool experience. There is all kinds of research about hippotherapy and equine-assisted therapy. There really is a ton. Um, And some people distinguish between the two. Like I I know there's a difference with equine-assisted therapy being more uh, the mental aspects of therapeutic riding, like the responsibility, the caretaking, developing the rapport with the animals, the social skills while hippotherapy I think is is more thought of on the physical rehab side so um but I'm really not sure you can break that down in in those minute kind of ways because horseback riding getting the tack ready riding brushing them down after it really is all encompassing of every sensory system and the social emotional skill building so I don't necessarily make the distinction, but I'm sure that there would be many therapists out there that would definitely make the distinction. So I have seen um, HIPAA therapy work incredible wonders, though, with foster kids who are dealing with um, some trauma, autistic kids who are struggling with their emotions and behaviorals and social skills. I have seen it work wonders as well for children who are more physically impaired, like those with um, Down syndrome or cp or other neuromotor disorders and I, i'm speaking a lot of children cuz obviously my passion is is pediatrics but i really have i have seen it change lives for older teens, young adults and then you know my age adults as well um there was a study about hippotherapy and equine assisted therapy that showed that you improve your balance that your well-being and quality of life is improved that it really helps build trust, uh, spasticity, which is very common in people with neuromotor disorders, especially like CP and stuff, that that was decreased. Um, self-esteem, self-efficacy, pleasure, a sense of accomplishment, that in, in one study was all linked with the hippotherapy or equine-assisted riding programs. Another study showed uh, that the quality of sleep improved on the days of therapy, which I can attest to 100% because those kids are so excited and they use up so much energy. (laughs) Um, The horses actually probably sleep better too on on the days of therapy. The patients um, have improved their fine motor skills, their gross motor skills, their um, cognitive, emotional, and social areas. This one study said the benefits in the patients had a positive influence on the quality of life for their entire family. So that was really neat. And I will link all of these studies um, in the notes if you wanted to go back and read those further. There was another um, study on the PsychMed um, website that listed a couple of different studies. So one of them said that animals help regulate the nervous system. This was a 2016 study. It said that contact with animals promotes your feel-good hormones, so those endorphins. It helps calm an overacted nervous system, um, overwhelm. It helps decrease overwhelm. Another article um, looked at animals, animal-assisted therapy developing healthy attachment skills, which if you remember I discussed is really important on the episode um, that I did on trauma. And another uh, study was really sweet. I stumbled across this one. Actually, I wasn't looking for this specifically, but it said that equine-assisted therapy, and and honestly, I would generalize this as a hypothesis that really it could be said for all healthy relationships with all pets. But this study was stating how mutually beneficial the relationships were that are built in animal-assisted therapy. It said that not only do humans benefit um, physiologically from contact with animals, but contact with humans benefits the endocrine system in animals, managing their stress response and sympathetic nervous system. And I thought that was just so sweet. And if you have a pet, you know, that when for instance, last night I was laying on the couch and after my kids had gone to bed before I was going to get in bed and I had a blanket on me, which my cat loves to, we call it making biscuits where she needs me, K N E A D S. But she came up and she laid on me, and it was just this exactly what it said mutually beneficial relationship because petting her calmed me down. It made me feel the unconditional love, and I know she felt that from me too. So if you have a pet, I know you've seen that. Um, And then another article on the benefits of animal-assisted therapy, really sums up everything well. It said animal-assisted therapy can build confidence, reflexivity, which is kind of um, essentially self-awareness, and social skills by promoting communication of emotions, modeling boundaries, which I hadn't even thought about, but that is definitely something that innately happens, promoting social connection, fostering empathy and nurturance, um, it can help with symptoms of trauma such as the hypervigilance and the feelings of isolations as you, um, people who go through animal-assisted therapy learn to kind of express themselves. And you can really, one of the things that I read was that you have the ability to express emotions without fear when you're with animals because they're only going to listen. They're not going to judge Um they're not going to talk back to you. They're not going to ask you to keep opening up about this when it doesn't feel right to open up about this. I I can speak uh, from experience here with after my dad passed away, there were many days where I sat and cried for a long time and my dog was very perceptive of this. My cat was too, but you know how cats can be. Um, so yes, Dobby loved on me a lot but Rio was always right there. And it was just like he knew. And I could talk to him without ever feeling judged without ever feeling like I was crazy. Um, I'm sure somebody walking by with me crying to my dog probably would have thought I was crazy, but Rio sure didn't. Um, and it just was, it was just really lovely to have that. So I can definitely see how people who have experienced trauma can have that feeling. Um, So all in all, you can see that I'm a huge advocate for pets in the home uh, and if properly trained, pets in the therapy setting. So like I've mentioned, Hand and Paw is is an organization that you can take your pet to to get trained as a therapy animal. Um, If you're not local to Birmingham, I'm sure that many different places in your area have that. I would probably check into a hospital because a lot of the times, or nursing home, the, um that's kind of where you will see the therapy animals. I really want to make this a thing with my children's elementary school, so that's my next my next task. Um, definitely, like I said before, make sure that your client you're working with doesn't have allergies. But even so, you could go with a fish option um, or something really out of the box, like a trip to the zoo, because I think anybody enjoys talking about animals. And maybe that would open up a conversation that wouldn't have happened in the classroom or the clinic um, if it happened at the zoo. So pets offer physical benefits, social, emotional benefits, sensory, as well as the education for responsibility and caretaking. So that was something that I said I'd come back to. My son's job at home is to feed our dog, Rio, and my daughter is to feed the cat, Dobby. And we always make sure it's a family effort that Rio has had ample exercise. Now, he is 11, so he doesn't exercise quite as much um, as he used to. But whether that be walking with us to school in the morning, joining us on a hike, taking him swimming at the lakes that we have nearby, or even just more simply throwing the ball in the backyard. Um... They're also a part of us moving our chicken run, feeding the wild birds with the bird feeders in the background. I mean, the back, not the background, the backyard. (laughs) They, um, and soon they will have a lot more responsibility with helping me with the puppy. But it's really amazing for kids to have something to take care of, to learn that responsibility, not to mention all of the sensory, motor, cognitive skills that we learn through pet rearing. Um, you know, that was mentioned, uh, or that was shown in the research with the fish and the kids with diabetes. So I hope this episode was a fun one to listen to. And if you need permission to get another furry loved one or a fish, you have it. So there is your permission with the caveat that please only do add this responsibility. If you can give the pet the amount of love and attention that they need. The saddest thing in the world to me is poor pet care or worse abandonment they really are just absolute beacons of unconditional love so they deserve the very best given back to them like that research article showed that it's a mutual thing so where we help them they help us all right guys that's it for integrative ot thanks so much for listening i hope something resonated with you please share it with a friend and drop me a review on apple Podcasts so it's easier for people to find me Look forward to talking with you guys again soon.